programming note. You're expecting Terror Train, but we had an incident, and unfortunately, the recording was lost. Now, did the SD card fail, or do the shadowy powers that be want to keep you from hearing what we had to say? That's up to you to decide. We'll get it re-recorded for you as soon as possible. In the meantime, enjoy Schizoid, and as always, bless this mess. Welcome to Gag Me With The Chainsaw, a horror podcast about 80 slashers. I'm Corey. And I'm Sarah. And we love scary movies. We do. I wish I could do a Wolfman Jack voice. Because <laughs> I would go, oh. I mean, it's allowed. <laughs> I, uh, hey, hey. <laughs> no, that sounds like Beetlejuice. I, I can't. I don't have it. But imagine. Just imagine if I could. I'm imagining. Do you like it? I like it. I like it too. <laughs> I was going to say something fun and Wolfman Jackie. Wolf Girl Jackie. <laughs> That's my new name. <laughs> Anyways, we have a guest this week. A very special guest. A very special guest. Our producer, engineer, and editor. The guy, behind the guy, behind the guy, <laughs> the big homie, Elves' top number one super fan. Yes. My husband, Jason. Woo-hoo! Glad to be here. Jason, are you nervous? Absolutely. Why? I'm Because I'm the guy behind the boards normally. Like, I'm just the... Uh... Sometimes you're the guy just off mic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just slightly more on mic. Jason, are you scared? Yes. Because the movie is spooky? Terrified. Oh, my God. <laughs> did this movie give you guys nightmares? Jason, do you have nightmares? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't dream when I sleep. That's sad. It's not true. <laughs> Was that spooky? Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Jason, what's your horror background? Well, um, I have told other people that I am a horror fan by marriage, mm-hmm. uh, which it's is sexually transmitted. It is sexually <laughs> transmitted. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I like horror. I've liked horror for, for some time. Um, I mean, watching evil dead and, um, really like loving those movies, uh, a lot of, um, eighties carpenter, um, stuff like that. But it, it mainly, fell into a bunch of stuff that (sighs) do you say like you have a cult movie background more and like a lot of horror gets swept up in that yes absolutely yeah more more cult than than horror but Mm -hmm. yeah horror because it is like a genre film like Mm -hmm. just gets thrown in there I heard you went to film school. <laughs> Son of a... If this, is, if this is the sort of gotcha journalism... Gotcha. Uh, Jason, we heard you went to film school. How did that go? Did you graduate? No, absolutely not. Um, I... Jason, is it really film school or is that just a thing that you would tell girls when you first met them? Yeah, so that was absolutely a thing that I would tell girls. Um, I I went to um, Cerritos Community College (laughs) and basically only took film classes until I dropped out. Mm -hmm. Like that was the extent of film school I wanted to go to film school um I I basically had watched clerks and thought if this guy could do it I can do it Mm -hmm. you Um, said I could step into this man's jorts absolutely (laughs) the the jorts and hockey jersey yeah they seem to fit so So Kevin Smith is a big inspiration for you massive inspiration that's really nice yeah it's it's the sort of inspiration that takes up two seats on Southwest Airlines. Jason, 
that's what we in the fat community call friendly fire. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, what did you learn in film school? Um, how to shoot a bunch of really middling, um, short films on VHS. Jason, did you actually make some of these? Yeah. Where are they? <laughs> Lost to the, the sands of time. When we started Patreon. <laughs> yeah. That'll be first. Up. I, if I could find that VHS tape, I totally would. What yeah. Was- what, what what was one of your short films about? Um, I sold my soul for a bag of Cheez-Its. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I hope um, that contract wasn't binding. <laughs> no. Did no. the devil know it was just for a movie? Yeah. Okay. And, How did you uh, get the devil? Well. That's a big it. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. And you say you're not a horror fan. <laughs> well. You got to really know somebody. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to high school with his kid. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't want to get into it. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, no, but let's see what else. Um, I, I did uh, make a movie about uh, being so depressed that I lost my best friend that I decided to kill myself by uh, eating a large can of chili and farting myself to death. Okay, cut the tape. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like this at all. (laughs) Yeah, so see, I thought I could be the next Kevin Smith. (laughs) This makes a lot of sense. I'm feeling bad about this conversation now. Yeah, so am I. That's why I was not thrilled that you brought it up, but... Well, Jason, if it's half as good as your poetry, it's going to be terrible. You (laughs) son of a bitch. (laughs) I was in Multimedia Academy at East High the first year. What does that mean? Uh, We did like a little editing. I think we used High 8. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my film history. That's it. Um, We had a camcorder. Oh, nice. When I was a kid. No, I mean, when I was like in high school. Was it? Do you I make never... it? Do you make any films? No. I used to put on plays with my sister, so. Sure. In true Little Women fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yep. Okay. So that's Jason. He has been hazed into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what's your favorite horror movie? Um, hmm. Other Pro- than Elves. Probably, yeah, other than elves, probably Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2? Ooh, I'm an Evil Dead 1 person. I I have seen, I I love Evil Dead 1, but I just kind of like the humor Mm -hmm. of that Evil Dead 2 just brings to the whole Yeah, they're really very different. Yeah. For being the same movie. Yeah. Right. Over the Thing? Yeah, a little bit. Wow, wow, wow. What's your favorite Evil Dead movie? Uh, Probably two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that with us. I feel like which Evil Dead you like tells a lot about you. Yeah. I do really <laughs> like one a lot, though. I like the comedy in two. Like I said, they're just really different. Mm-hmm. I like them all. I've seen one and two more than three, though. Yeah. I think I've only seen once. I should rewatch that. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I have to think of an adjective other than fun to describe things. I, <laughs> I don't like that. I need a thesaurus. Yeah. Have you seen any good movies lately, Corey? Yeah, I've been trying to watch a lot of 2021 movies, um, kind of catching up. Um, one I really liked is called Coming Home in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And that's on Netflix. So I would suggest checking that one out. It's about a family that goes, you know, for a hike out in the woods and then... Um, it's a it's a man, his wife, and his two teenage sons, and then like two drifters kind mm. of meet up with them, and it all goes bad. I I thought that was pretty good. And their first mistake was the the going hike. hiking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, scary. Yeah. Um, I saw the medium. 
I believe that one's on Shutter, and it's kind of a mockumentary found footage. It's a Thai movie, and I really like the director's other movie, Shutter, mm-hmm. like S H U T T E R. Okay. Um, but this one, I was really into it at first, and then um, I feel like it was a very different like setting. Um, but then it's a possession movie, mm-hmm. and it kind of got a little typical with like the found footage towards sure. the end. So. I was mixed on that one. What about you? Um, I saw Antlers and I liked it. It was very moody mm-hmm. and the some of the creature work was really good and a lot of the um like the uh, not gore necessarily, but like the dead body parts and stuff were really really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Real real good and like ugh. Um, and it had Jesse Plemons in it. And when you see Jesse Plemons, you know it is prestigious. <laughs> and um, I do like him. It also had um, that guy who played uh, the stoner guy in Dazed and Confused and the Damn the Man guy in Empire Records. Rory Cochran. Rory Cochran. Mm-hmm. And at first I didn't recognize him. And then I was like, wait, is that... I was calling him Rory Calhoun. like, from the <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, oh, yeah, that is him playing second banana. And it just stresses me out. These dudes that were in like um, 90s movies that we were like, oh, he's cute. And I'm like, who's that old guy? <laughs> so that was a bummer. Definitely horrific. <laughs> I've been wanting to see that one, but then I keep hearing it's not that great, but I'll probably still watch it. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it better than some other movies that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just also saw the, we watched the French Dispatch and I did not like it. <gasps> I haven't it's seen that one yet. It's horror, but I was really not into it. Horrified? Horrified. Really? Yeah. Um, this is my personal feeling about it. I feel that it, it was a huge flashing warning sign that Wes Anderson doesn't have anywhere else to go. Mm. And I was like, that's a bummer. Uh, it was so self parodic, like unintentionally that I kept looking at Jason, like, are you fucking seeing this? Four minutes and 30 seconds into the movie, mm-hmm. Sarah paused the movie, <laughs> looked at me and said, is this shit for real? I said, is this a joke? Yeah. Like I was honestly, truly like, am I missing something? Like, was this supposed to be a joke? So it has like little, little pieces in it where you're like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. That was cute. But mostly I was like, oh no, I don't like this. And I was a bummer. That was a bummer. I was bummed. It has Timothy, Tim, Timothee Chalamet. Yeah. And I do like him. I, I did not too. think I, I was going to come good. around on yeah. him, but he was so good in Little Women. Mm-hmm. And I was really like defensive about that movie. And then I was like, oh, shit, he's a great Lori. And I do like him. And I like him in this, too. And I think he's cute, even though he's like the type of man that's like a little boy man. Yeah. You know, I still think that he's like kind of cute. He was he had a little part in uh, Don't Look Up, which I also watched. Oh, yeah. That movie was good, but it was very depressing. Yeah. It's too real. <laughs> yeah. I've been debating if, whether or not we're going to watch it for that reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's on Netflix. Check yeah. It out. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am. Um, I haven't watched a ton of stuff this week. I've been reading a lot. So Me too. <gasps> We're so smart. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> okay. Let's get into our movie for this week. It is Schizoid from 1980. Jason's pick. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is my fault. Why did you pick this movie? Um, I picked this movie because it features one of my all-time favorite movie monsters, which is Klaus Kinski. Shut up. <laughs> is that really, that's that really why you picked it? Um, no, I picked it because it was on TCM Underground, and I went, oh, this is a slasher. Let's go. It like, was on the list. Yeah, it's on the list. Um, I, I recorded it. So let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. R- really, it just, I, I like my first answer because uh, it was funny, but. <laughs> Everybody laughed. <laughs> Everybody laughed. <laughs> okay. So Jason picked this movie. It was on the list. We were going to get to it eventually. 
This movie was directed and written by David Paulson. He mostly worked in television, but he did write and direct one other horror movie called Savage Weekend. Uh, it's also a slasher, I believe. This movie came out in 1979, so we won't be watching it. Oh, nuts. Oh, que lastima. <laughs> so close. It was. Huh? Very close. I know. <laughs> <clears throat> it stars Klaus Kinski as Dr. Peter Fails. It's Peter spelled P-I-E-T-R, so you know he is German. Yeah. Peter uh, rhyming with Dieter. <laughs> Um, Klaus Kinski was in a lot of stuff. He played Dracula in Nosferatu, the Vampire. He was in a bunch of movies made by his good friend, Werner Herzog. He was in For a Few Dollars More. He's pretty well known for being a creep and a weirdo. Mm -hmm. Uh, fun fact about Klaus Kinski. I've been confusing him with Klaus Nomi for pretty much my whole life. I think I was for a while, too. <laughs> I just really thought he had the range. <laughs> While we were watching this movie, I even asked Jason if he thought that Klaus was going to put on the old black lipstick. And do and a falsetto. Jason said, maybe. So either he does not listen to me or he's been doing the same thing. Which is it, Jason? I just didn't want to correct you. Oh, since when? It happens sometimes. <laughs> it's just I'd rather not have the conversation. He said. What? <laughs> but I'm reasonable. Absolutely. <laughs> it also stars Mariana Hill as Julie Caffrett. She did a lot of TV. She was in a couple episodes of the 60s Batman, the Mission Impossible TV show, Mannix, things like that. She was also in The Godfather 2. Um, in Schizoid, she is one Kate Bush Wuthering Heights ass bitch. <laughs> I love it. Just running up that hill. Yes. <laughs> Stars Craig Wasson as Doug Caffrett. He was also in Body Double, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and Malcolm X. Donna Wilkes as Allison Fails. She was in Jaws 2. And Corey and I recently saw her play in the title role in the movie Angel. Yeah, she's a Lolita figure for sure. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd as Gilbert, Professor Plum, Doc Brown, Uncle Fester, Judge Doom. Don't really need to go into that. <laughs> uh, Richard Hurd as Lieutenant Donahue. He is most recognizable to me as George's boss Wilhelm on Seinfeld. Uh, Joe Regalbuto, Regalbuto. As Detective Jake, I said, hey, that's Frank Fontana from Murphy Brown. And I was right. Mm. Yeah. Murphy Brown really stuck with me, I guess. I remember watching it, but I don't remember a single thing about it. We were empowered. <laughs> yeah. Remember, everybody was mad because she was a single lady having a baby. <laughs> How dare she? I know. So let's get into it. All right. Uh, has anybody seen this movie before? No. We no. hadn't. Yeah. I had heard the title, but I didn't mm -hmm. even know what it was about. I didn't either. And I was really interested. I was like, ooh, Klaus Nomi is a, <laughs> 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 a Let's see that movie. I know. <laughs> I can't believe it took me so long to work these two things out. I even Googled Klaus Kinski David Bowie Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when I realized what I had been doing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this movie is, uh, kind of, uh, one more in, it's sort of giallo, right? Yeah, shades of giallo, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a movie of a type that was kind of around at this time. Um, it was a little confusing to me because it read very 70s and that's because it was in 1980 and 1980 is basically still the 70s yeah like it's still the 70s until like 1987 <laughs> wow don't you think <laughs> i don't know if i'd go that far what 80 85 83 year of my birth <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah okay i mean you know these things they spill over mm -hmm. okay you ready let's get into it Okay, let's start the show. <laughs> okay, we open on an apartment building. It's nighttime. We're getting some credits, some actors, and then schizoid tile font. 
Uh, how would you describe this, Corey? I would say like a like a big paintbrush yeah. painted the letters. Uh huh. And they turned white to red. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, we move inside the apartment and we meet Julie. She is our main lady. She's using a cardboard box for TV as a desk. Very relatable. She's typing away on a loud and satisfyingly clacky typewriter. She seems to be going through a pretty rough time in her life. She's got holes in her socks. When she opens the fridge, a raw egg falls out and breaks on the floor. The first jump scare in the movie. <laughs> the raw egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she eats a half a raw carrot for dinner. De- Julie is definitely in her flop era. She's living that Liz Lemon lifestyle. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. I was like, they're really trying to show her struggling here. Like she was putting on, are, were they socks or stockings? They were. I thought they were stockings too. When we watched the second time, they're socks. They're just like stocking long. colored. Okay. Yeah. And they have holes in them and she's just trying to keep warm. She tucks them between, <laughs> she tucks the hole, like gathers it up and tucks it between her toes. And like, we've all done that. And it's, you know that she's going to be uncomfortable now too. At Terrible. Be- at best, that lasts two minutes. Yeah. Well, you get your f- shoe into your foot or your foot into your shoe. <laughs> So then it's daytime and we get our first killer POV cam sneaking into a backyard to spy on Julie. She may be struggling personally, but socially she is doing great. (laughs) She has a pack of fun, flirty, 30 and thriving group therapy girlfriends. Francois, Rosemary, Pat, Sally and Julie sit around topless and drinking in the most erotic style of hot tub. The 70s big barrel of fluids. (laughs) It was a big barrel. It's exactly like the one in Boogie Nights. <laughs> and anytime I see those, I'm like, man, this looks so horny. Yeah. It's different. They have a nice view, too. Yeah, it's really nice. It's beautiful. They are having a goodbye soak for their friend Sally, who's leaving group for three weeks to visit her parents and undo all her therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I like these besties. Yeah. They all seem pretty fun. They definitely have an open and honest relationship. Like, with each other. They're, like, talking about being single and talking about uh, Julie's divorce. Uh, While they are simmering and talking about this stuff, the killer is taking pictures. Julie says her ex-husband needs to be cool about her divorce or she'll have to quit her job because they both work at the same newspaper. Julie. This is why you're not supposed to dip your pen in the company ink. Yeah, and... I could not figure out what he does for I the newspaper. I couldn't figure it out either. <laughs> Besides hang wallpaper. <laughs> I have, she writes an advice column called Dear Julie, and he's an editor maybe? Maybe. No idea. A- an editor, but maybe not her editor, because it doesn't seem like he's screaming about deadlines or anything. No. No. Her friends all say, fuck him. Like, he needs to get it together, not her. Agree. Agree. I, I do want to say that, while these pictures are being snapped, uh, it seems like Larry Flint would pay top dollar. Oh yeah, for these hot tub pictures. Maybe not Larry Flint. They're not. Nobody's like Bob Guccione. Sure, they're like more Playboy style than Hustler. Yeah, sure. Nobody's showing pink, Jason. <laughs> Absolutely, but I just <laughs> necessarily they never kiss. Nothing like that ever happened. Sure, but I get what you're saying. After the ladies are done soaking, Julie and Sally say goodbye and hop on their bikes to leave with the killer in pursuit in a car. I liked Sally's outfit. She had a yellow raincoat, Mm -hmm. yellow shoes, and a yellow bicycle. Yeah. (laughs) She's a real sunny kind of character. Uh, They ride off together, but they go in different directions, and the car peels off to chase Sally. The killer drives the car right up her banana seat. Mm -hmm. Personally, I was very triggered by this scene. Because it's very similar to how my mom used to make me exercise when I was a kid. No. (laughs) Except I wasn't on a bike. I was on foot. (laughs) And the killer does way less honking than my mom did. (laughs) Oh, no. Yep. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. It's okay. According to my mom, this never happened. (laughs) So I'm fine. Okay. (laughs) Sally gets rear-ended, flies off her bike, and runs for safety into a creepy old abandoned house. The killer chases her into the garage and stabs her to death with a big pair of scissors. Yes. And then we see someone cutting briefly, like cutting words out of a magazine, like they're going to make an anonymous letter. Mm -hmm. And then the next day at the office, Julie receives that letter and she, it's not the first. She says another one. The letter says murder. I think about it more and more. 
They talk forever about their stupid problems, and I'm the one who's miserable. I want to shoot them through the head, and I can do it. I've got this gun. You're one of them. I'm going to kill you, too. Yikes. Yeah. So her ex, Doug, is there, and he tells her to go to the police, but Julie thinks it might be a hoax. Um, Doug thinks it might be someone from her therapy group, and he complains they could have made it if it wasn't for that therapy group. Yeah. He calls them a bunch of psychopaths. <laughs> Julie says that's not true, and she asks for the, if the divorce papers have come in yet. And he says yes. Um, but then he changes the subject and just wants to talk about wallpaper. Mm-hmm. I like both his choices. <laughs> they're loud. I did, too. Uh-huh. She said she thought they were ugly. I was like, oh, I don't think they're okay. Yeah. You do want to wallpaper a bedroom. So. I want wallpaper a lot of stuff. But why did he get to wallpaper, like, they they called it, I think, the art, the room, art room at the at the office? I don't know. Was Maybe he getting paid? Is that what he does? Owns the newspaper <laughs> or owns the building? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so Julie arrives at her therapy session, which is at her doctor's house. Um, on the way in, she, like, almost runs smack into Gilbert. Yeah, like, literally. <laughs> who is another person from her therapy group and also a maintenance man um, who lets her know he'll be working on her... A uh, boiler in her office tomorrow. Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was good in this. Yeah. Uh, so inside, Dr. Fails looks creepily at his teen daughter, Allison, who is undressing to take a shower. He kind of goes to the door and asks her if she's all right, and he scolds her for being out late the previous night. Uh, in therapy, Gilbert talks about all his feelings. <laughs> He's lonely. He's angry. He feels like he has no one to talk to. And he says he'll often go for a walk or a drive at night. Um, kind of the other people are, they have a weird dynamic in this therapy group. I think that the whole concept is really strange. Like yeah. Dr. F- Dr. Fails doesn't seem to be doing anything and they're all therapying each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. He says nothing until the very end of the session. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like this. It felt a little culty. In a I way. agree. <laughs> Uh, and then in the other room, Allison, she's painting her toenails and listening to the group's discussion on like some type of intercom mm-hmm. or recording. HIPAA. <laughs> the group bickers about each other's problems while Doc does absolutely nothing. Uh, he says some bullshit line like right before he ends the session. Yeah, <laughs> Gilbert is like, I don't have anybody. I don't have any family. And one of the other ladies in the session, Francois, is like, we're your family. And he's like, ha, you're never there for me. You're not there in the night. And everybody's like, it's different, Francois. You're married. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Yeah. So Julie, she decides to stay after and she shows Doc the letter. Um, he doesn't think it's a big deal. She talks. She starts to talk to him about her husband, but he like does the thing where he puts his hand over her mouth and then starts kissing her. Yeah. He like um, grabs her by the side of his face or by the side of her face. He says the person writing the letter is asking for advice. And if they wanted to kill her, they wouldn't write letters. Not sure how accurate this is, but I am inclined to think not very because he is bad at his job. Yeah. So his secretary walks in while they're Mm -hmm. embracing and it's very awkward. He just grabs her by the sides of her face. Like he's going to just shake her. And she's fine with it. Yeah. For some reason. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, I never do this. And folks... We are not buying it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Julie leaves group and gives her friend Pat a topless dancer with a master's from Wellesley. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a ride to her nude job. The killer follows. Julie goes home and finds another menacing letter in her mailbox. And boy, if this was your evil communication form of choice, you really had to hope your subscriptions for the month had all the words you needed. Yeah. What magazine has the word murder in it so much? <laughs> I used to love doing notes in this style in the 90s when I was a teenager. Um, my magazines didn't have the words murder in them so much as the words Noxzema, Tampon, <laughs> and Pantera. Yeah. Because I was really into metal magazines for a while. Hmm. I know. Uh, Then my dad said I couldn't read them anymore because um, he saw somebody's, uh, actually, I think it was Scott Ian from Pantera, his, uh, like, the little hair under his belly button. Mm -hmm. uh, His happy trail? Yeah. (laughs) My dad saw that and was like, you can't read this magazine anymore. Mm. And I was like, but dad, I have one. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so Julie, uh, she has her letter. She is stressed out. She gets into her elevator. She, uh, this is at her apartment, not her job. It was kind of confusing. They both look like the same place. Yeah. Throughout the movie, I kept thinking, wait, where is she? Is yeah. She, <laughs> so she gets in the elevator and is racially terrified of a black man who gets in at the same time as her. He is just looking at her like, what is this lady's problem? And she is like in full panic mode. She gets off the elevator. He gets off on her floor and she is running for her life for no reason. She fumbles her keys at the door, drops them, and he picks them up for her. She looks like she's going to shit her pants. (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry, Julie. He may be black, but that's canceled out for her when her neighbor opens the door and she finds out he's gay. (laughs) Julie, a true ally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the mesh shirt didn't uh, give her any hints. I, I knew this guy was gay the second he stepped onto the elevator. Yeah. He's wearing a classic RuPaul workroom look. I thought it was RuPaul really quickly. <laughs> he did look like RuPaul. Yeah, he was drag. very tall, bald, good looking guy. Just the facial feature is very, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie is so traumatized by this encounter. She has to go into her apartment and sponge off. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we meet some young adults on a motorcycle who are about to have an actual roll in the hay Mm -hmm. when they accidentally find poor Sally's body. I feel bad for them because this looked like it was going to be a real fun sexual time. (laughs) Like the kind of thing that you think about like 20 years later. Yeah, she wore her good satin bra. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The hay looked nice and clean. It was going to be sexy. I, I, I like the extended shot um, of them just kind of motorcycling around this abandoned property. <laughs> and um, it, Sarah, I, I don't know if you remembered. Uh, I, I sung Ooh, a little. What are you going to bring up? <laughs> I, I, I sung a little song for uh, for when they got onto the uh, the property. Remember, going up the country. <laughs> yes that would have been good (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly the vibes that it was giving um they find sally's body she's like tucked up underneath the garage the closed garage door Um, this was like a garage slash barn yeah that's what the hay is for yeah so they call the cops the cops come and we meet our guys detective donahue and detective jake uh they are sick of finding dead bodies but it is no picnic being a dead body either. So I don't know what they're complaining about. Back at Pat's nude job, she's doing what I guess could be called topless dancing. They did not have a choreographer for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And clearly Pat was not in the dance program at Wellesley. No. No. There doesn't seem to be a lot of rhythm in what she's doing. So I don't know. Uh, back in her dressing room, while well, she counts out her $12 in cash. Oh, yes. <laughs> pity, pity cash. Dr. Fails emerges from behind her. She says, you always surprise me. They kiss and begin to do something else up against a water heater that is very open to interpretation. I don't think it was actual sex. No, I thought so. I think she's grinding on his thigh. Whatever it is, she is freaking loving it. <laughs> so, D- Dr. Fails first. I never do these sort of things, he says to Julie. Yeah, that's why I said we don't buy it. Right. What happens? He comes in and immediately. And she says, you always surprise me. Yeah, so this happens a lot. <laughs> also, I, I mean, the degree from Wellesley sh- seems to be paying off a little bit because she has a private dressing room. <laughs> Sure. Whenever I've seen like movies with strippers, uh, showgirls, hustlers, uh, it's always some like big shared dressing room with Mm -hmm. strippers. But she has her own dressing room. It was in the writer. Yes. (laughs) She needs it for her art. So they part ways. She leaves and the killer follows her uh, into a dark alley. She realizes she's being followed and begins to run. But the killer catches up to her and scissors her in the chest. She is caught because she's wearing freaking candies heels. <laughs> Those wooden soled shoes are not all terrain. That is how come I slipped on a Tommy's French fry at the mall one time in my Dr. Scholl's sandals. <laughs> I went right down. And this guy said, be careful. And I was like, okay, just on the ground. But I couldn't run from a killer in them. 
Mm-mm. So Julie finally goes to the police to tell them about, about the letter, but the cop thinks it's as phony as a $3 bill. We also get the scene where the one cop says, uh, what's a pretty lady like you? Yeah. <laughs> what does he say? She says, they tell her it's a hoax. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's what my therapist says. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she brings up her therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Detective Jake says, what's a pretty girl like you doing in therapy? So dumb. Sir, all the hottest women are in therapy. <laughs> So Julie returns home and she sees she is being followed by someone wearing a hat. (laughs) (laughs) Carmen Sandiego? Yeah. Had the very Carmen Sandiego look. (laughs) Doc returns to his house and he washes his hands. Is that implying anything? He sits at a desk and looks at a picture of his daughter and his dead wife. We see cut out words, and we assume that it must be his daughter doing the letters, or maybe him. He's in her room, right? I did suspect her. I did, too. (laughs) Not because of this part. Oh, okay. Yeah. I suspected her because they show that she has collage work in her room. Yes! And I said, oh, she's doing the letters, because I used to do those letters, too, and I also used to love to do collage work. I know a fellow fucking (laughs) rubber cement fan when I see one. Seventeen Magazine? Yep. (laughs) So the next day at work, Julie reads Doug a new letter. It says, Dear Julie, maybe you don't believe I'm serious. Your time is running short. Bullets in the chamber, guns ready to blow. I'm aiming at you. Signed, scared to death. That sounds like a Doors, <laughs> like doors lyrics. <laughs> so Julie thinks she wants to answer the writer in the column. Julie returns to the police station, but the cops say they are too busy. Mm-hmm. There are 40 homicides in L.A. a week. They have photos to prove they it. They say they have 40 <laughs> murders a month. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And that is nothing compared to the 11 murders <laughs> a day the cops in the New York Ripper had to handle. Grow up. I, I, I really feel like their math doesn't add up because they say that they deal with half a dozen murders a day, but they also say that they deal with 40 murders a month. So what is it? What is the truth? Yeah. And, and and they're like, do you have any have any idea how many murders I deal with or we deal with in a week? I, I did the math. It's 42. <laughs> so just to prove their point, they show her a bunch of graphic crime scene photos. Seems unethical. Yeah. What the hell? But this does lead Julie to recognize Sally, mm-hmm. which is the woman in yellow. Uh, so she makes up her mind to answer the person writing the letters um, she wants him to get the help she needs because she's a good advice columnist. Yeah. And they decide the police um, are going to get her set up with a hotline. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have her identify the body. She calls Dr. Fails down to support her while she does this. Yeah, she's like, can I call someone? Yeah. <sighs> and and Dr. Fails asks, like, how was she killed? They're like, like, sir, we don't give that information. We don't out. give that information out. But like two minutes earlier yeah. in the movie, yeah, he's show he's showing all of these crime scene yeah. photos and goes, "This one was stabbed. This one was this." And it's like, well, what is it? These guys are all over the place. I know. Ugh. So Julie goes for dinner at the Fails home, and Allison is big mad about it. She steals her dad's gun that was not safely secured. And watches Dr. Fails like manhandle Julie's face again outside. <laughs> when her dad uh, comes in, tries to talk to her, she locks herself in the bathroom. At dinner, Julie and Peter, Dr. Fails, are shocked when Allison comes to the table in her dead mother's dress. She really causes a scene. Mm-hmm. She is drinking wine and screaming at Julie. And she tears the dress off. She's like... There's no law against a girl wearing her mother's dress. This reminded me of that fucked up Julia Stiles movie. I can't remember the name of it where her mom dies as well. And she like tries to replace her. What movie is that? I feel like it's just one word, but I can't think of it. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Look into that one. Yeah. Uh, She like freaks out. She goes on a total rampage through the kitchen. She's just so animated and she starts throwing things down on the ground and then finally she gets to the dessert and throws it on the ground and i go oh no the pot de creme because like just she ruined chocolate the pudding. pudding yeah <laughs> 
Dr. Fails apologizes to Julie and chases after Allison. So later that night, back at the office, Doug is hanging wallpaper and I think living at the office. A real like. Yes. A, a real Kirk Van Houten move. Yeah. They're both struggling after this divorce. Uh, Julie doesn't. Was he doing this secretly? That's what I want to know. Or he had like, okay. I don't know. Like he can put up wallpaper. He can live there. Yeah. That's why he, he's like, I got to fix my digs up. Yeah. <laughs> it was his house. <laughs> thinking of doing a little redecorating on the (laughs) office and definitely not my living space (laughs) julie comes to the office but she doesn't see doug she is startled by creepy gilbert from her therapy group uh and she endures another elevator trauma (laughs) when he gets on with her and tells her he thinks about her sometimes before they even get in the elevator gilbert does this move where instead of tapping her on the shoulder or saying hello mm-hmm. when he's at a respectful distance, he takes the top of his foot and like nudges her butt. Yeah, she's like crouched down, locking the front door. Yeah, and I'm. I don't like that either. No. Yeah, he I, was creepy. I was just like, sir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. He is being very weird. It's really no wonder he's alone. She escapes Gilbert's advances and goes home. Doug follows, but by the time he gets to her building, she's already having full steamy sex with Dr. Fails. Uh, He may be bad at psychiatry, but it seems like his bedside manner is (laughs) top-notch. And and Doug is there also with the flowers. That he already gave her. That he already gave her, right. (laughs) So he was going to like show up like, remember these flowers I got you? (laughs) Or I got you new ones. Don't remember the ones from earlier. Yeah, because he brought it up earlier when they were at work. He said, did you like the flowers? And she just ignored him. (laughs) We all did. And he really leans on that buzzer, too. Yeah, Yeah, he sucks. Um, Doug tries to climb the fire escape to see why Julie won't come to the door because he sees her light switch off. But he is chased off by another tenant in the building. This scene with the other tenant is much longer than it needs to be and very funny. (laughs) Probably my favorite scene in the movie. It reminded us of the scene in The Big Lebowski when the neighbor comes out and starts smashing the car with the golf club. It's like a totally unrelated guy just like here and screaming. It was funny. (laughs) So at home at the Fails house, Allison is dressed like Liza Minnelli doing a smooth criminal number. (laughs) (laughs) And fondling her dad's gun. I don't know, guys, but I think there might be some subtext here. (laughs) Dr. Fails comes home and is like, "Ah, we used to dress you like a tiny community theater, Roxy Hart, when you were eight years old. Yeah, he's like, remember that? I was like, what, did they go take those pictures at the mall with like the rose and the kids in the trench? (laughs) She's holding a fake Tommy gun. Slightly in black and white, like a little bit of color. The old timey photos. (laughs) <laughs> he wore a newsboy cap. <laughs> this memory really makes Allison mad and she storms off. Yeah, and he says to himself, You haven't kissed me goodnight in a long time. Yep. <laughs> so the next day, the killer goes to see another woman from the therapy group, Rosemary, mm-hmm. the one with the sweet hot tub. At the body barrel. <laughs> Uh, she no sooner gets in for a dip when she is stabbed by the scissors. Yep. The killer covers her with the hot tub cover and turns off the bubbles. I thought that was considerate. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to waste energy. Yeah. Her I- haircut was so elderly. She looked like a blonde B. Arthur haircut. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed a lot older than the others, but it was probably just, like, the hair. Her hair though, yeah. Like, I was picturing her with, like, regular hair, and I was like, yeah, she's normal. All the rest of them were, like, total shampoo model ladies. <laughs> I, I really feel like this is the only, like, slash that we see yeah. in this movie is the one across her face. Mm-hmm. And also, when <laughs> when the, the killer, I, I guess I'll just call the killer schizoid, um, <laughs> puts the hot tub cover back on the hot tub just like drags it over her face it's like insult to injury just like okay i've killed you now like doing the least yeah (laughs) doing the least to hide the body yeah 
And then there's a therapy session, but the group is awfully small that day. Yeah. After this, there's pretty much nobody left at group therapy, but the men and Francois. But we already know she doesn't count because she has a husband. Yeah. The doctor's pissed about it. He calls Julie and says that like there was barely a session. <laughs> She's like, oh, sorry. I was waiting for the police. Uh, the number for the hotline will be in the newspaper tonight. Yeah, he asks for the number, and she tells him that. And I said, add a girl, Julie. Make him buy a copy. <laughs> yeah. Keep up those circulation numbers. <laughs> the doc tells the secretary to go ahead and go home. Uh, he finds more evidence of the cutouts and confronts his daughter about the missing gun and the cutouts. He tells her about Sally, and she says, you blame your own daughter? I really hate you. She is going to go into the garage, Mm -hmm. turn on the car, and try to attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, He's trying to break down the door with an axe, and then she just decided to reverse and get out of there, and she breaks the rest of the way down. trying to smash the door with an axe, and Allison is screaming that her mother died from bad vibes, basically. Yeah. (laughs) And Dr. Fails is like, no, it was cancer. You know this. But Allison thinks that she died from having a toxic husband, and she will not be convinced otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then she rubs up her little car and just drives it through a wall to get away from this conversation mm-hmm. she's like i'd rather live yeah. <laughs> and i'm out of here <laughs> so back at the newspaper the cops are setting up the phone for the dear julie call doug is on the scene because he is still doing his wallpaper and back on his wallpaper bullshit yes he lives there <laughs> So Doug doesn't think the person writing the letters is going to call, but the cops are like, "Eh, maybe, maybe. Well, Julie immediately does get a phone call, but it's from one of her haters. Uh, This guy thinks that she is full of shit. Mm -hmm. Tough moment for Julie, but false alarm. Where do you get off offering people advice? Yeah, he's (laughs) mad. You're no therapist. She's just dear Julie. So the next time the phone rings, it's Allison asking to come see her. Julie tells Allison her location and Allison and her dad's gun are on the way. When she gets there and reveals she's the one behind the letters, Julie is shocked. But Doug is positively tickled. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, but did you do it though? Yeah. The big old grin on his face. (laughs) Why was she doing them? Because her dad was dating Julie or because she feels neglected? Both. And she just hated that therapy group. And Mm. yeah. Like when you read the letters, I feel like. Oh, yeah, that's obviously coming from her. Yeah. When you know and you put it back together, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Dr. Fails calls the dear Julie number and finds out that Allison is at the office with Julie. He rushes over there and into the building, but he is not the only weirdo on the scene. Creepy Gilbert is also on his way inside. Dr. Fails gets to Julie's darkened office and is immediately shot at. He pleads with Allison to talk to him and not plug him, but he gets shot at again. He hides and makes a call to the entire office. When another line picks up, Dr. Fail says he's sorry and explains he wasn't trying to replace Allison's mom and that he loves her. All we hear in response is heavy breathing until a man's voice replies, you make me sick. It's the killer. And the killer is... Not Allison. Not Allison. It's Doug. It's Doug. Who also could be writing the letters if you think about it. And he's not, but they could have worked together. Yeah. He has Allison and Julie tied up back to back. Pretty awkward for them, all things considered. (laughs) Meanwhile, the cops are putting two and two together at the morgue when the medical examiner tells them that the wounds on Pat's body were caused by long scissors that were covered in wallpaper paste. Before this, the doctor, he he shows up there and he's like, I've got two patients missing. And he's like, well, I'll show you what I got on ice. Yeah. So again, this is this police department just being like, here, take a look at what we got. Yeah. HIPAA. HIPAA again. <laughs> they figure out the situation. They figure out it's Doug. The wallpaper is a big clue. Mm-hmm. And the cops are like, uh-oh. And they head towards Doug and Julie. Sweet Jesus, says Jake. Yep. He's floored. <laughs> Dr. Fails finds a hammer and he and Doug stalk each other around the dark office while Julie and Allison escape their bonds with the help of scissors. (laughs) What a redemption arc for scissors. Doug gets the jump on Dr. Fails and we find out he blames the group and Dr. Fails for his divorce from Julie. He tries to beat Dr. Fails to death, 
But Allison and Scissors for an encore saves the day when she stabs and kills Doug. The police get there after everything already happened. They were useless. Dr. Fails, Julie, and Allison have a group hug. The end. Yeah. So did you notice at the end that uh, the doctor and Doug were both dressed in all white? Yes. While they were fighting. And then Allison also had like white on top. It, it was, was an interesting confusing. choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this supposed to symbolize something? <laughs> Maybe. I really feel like it was all over so quickly. Yeah, it was. It, it, like there was no wrap up. There was no like, oh, this is the motivation or whatever. It was just like. Well, I feel like we already knew at that point. Sure. Like, yeah. We knew everyone's motivation if they were the killer. Yeah. Like we knew Gilbert's yeah. if he was the killer. Yeah. We knew Doug. There were so we knew many doctor. suspects. <laughs> yeah, we knew movie. the daughter. Uh-huh. At one point I said, man, I'd love it if they all turned up in the same place at the same time. And then that was what happened. Like when they all started coming into the building at the end, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, but we Gilbert doesn't do anything, though. He just opens the door for the cops later. Like, yeah. He doesn't even get I, into the creepy mix. I thought Gilbert was too obvious. I didn't think it was no. him from the beginning. However, when a movie does give you this many suspects, at a certain point I go, well, maybe it was that first guy. And they're trying to like <laughs> double cross you or whatever. Yeah. Um, the movie was like kind of pretty tricky, but I did figure it out because of the collage art. And I also clocked Doug's boots as the same ones the killer was wearing. The license plate. I wanted to know for someone, not me, that knows about cars and pay attention to cars. Because they all had kind of tan yellow cars, uh-huh. like the, the main suspects. Uh-huh. And I was like, I remember like as a rewatch, it was very easy to see who the killer was because they even showed the license plate at several points. Well, on the rewatch, it was very easy to see who the killer was because the first time you see the killer, you can see it's fucking Doug. <laughs> like they're showing him like kind of <laughs> shot from over his shoulder and you're like, oh, that's Doug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, um, his shoes, as you pointed out, uh, his his Buster Browns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they showed him very clearly mm-hmm. at one point. Right. He's like laying on the cot in his like sad bachelor overalls. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Overalls are cool for everybody. <laughs> okay, not, I'm sorry, not overalls, coveralls. His mm-hmm. sad bachelor coveralls. Okay. I think coveralls are cool. <laughs> He's definitely laying on a cot, so that's not good. Right. Yeah, I I predicted him pretty early. Um, I don't know. That's cool sometimes where the movie lets you figure it out. Yeah. Before the people. Like, Jason was saying that there was somebody that uh, reviewed this movie and said it was boring. I didn't think it was boring. I was, like, really interested in who it was going to be if my predictions were right. Mm -hmm. Like, it was giallo, but it had a lot of noir elements that gave it, like, a kind of dark atmosphere Mm -hmm. that I really liked. I thought it was pretty stylish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The little cat and mouse at the end, too, between um, Doug and Dr. Fails, like... You know, as as Dr. Fells would enter a room, he'd get shot at, like flounder out of the way and then like shut the lights off. Mm -hmm. So like room by room, he was just shutting off all of these lights. So like it just became like this game of, like I said, cat and mouse, but in the shadows Mm -hmm. more. I kind of thought that made it a little more. A noir element. Absolutely. Shadows. Yeah. If nothing else, I thought the end was pretty good. Yeah. I I liked the end, too. So it got exciting. <laughs> the biggest issue for me is the Christopher Lloyd problem. Um, and that problem is I am only able to see him as Doc Brown. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and like I while we were watching it, I said to Jason, like, I really wonder what it's like to have an awareness of him that precedes that. Because I just don't. Like, that's all I see. And then you said... What Back to the Future is five years. Five? How? Like suddenly he's an old man. It's movie magic, baby. <laughs> I thought he was good in it. I also thought um, the killer. I don't remember the actor's name, but I've seen him. He's in a few horror movies. He's in um, he's Ghost in Story, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare Three, on Elm Street mm-hmm. Three um, Body Double, which is mm-hmm. not exactly horror, but it's noir, erotic thriller. Yes. <laughs> But he always plays kind of more of a leading man. And this one, he is very, like, goofy, like, kind of simple. Like, you're like, something's off with this guy. Yeah. 
He's kind of cute. He looks like blonde Eddie Vedder. Yeah, he doesn't have his Bill Maher hair in this one, mm-hmm. so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes no. he has that Bill Maher no, hair. No, <laughs> this he has angelic curls. Yeah. There's one point where he like is in the mirror and he's like messing with his curls <laughs> and he, like doing a funny face. <laughs> his Edward Vedward face. <laughs> so we kind of addressed at the beginning that uh, Klaus Kinski is kind of a notoriously icky guy. Um, according to his autobiography, Kinski Uncut, mm, Klaus Kinski had an onset affair with actress Catherine Burkett, in quotations, who was clearly Donna Wilkes, who played his daughter Allison. Uh, he had some pretty gross things to say about his relationship with her as it pertains to their roles in the movie. Um, this relationship may explain the kind of yikes vibes between the two of them. Um, the woman who played Pat in the movie also complained about his behavior on set. Uh, He's a pretty controversial figure with a lot of allegations of abuse against him that I don't really feel like we should go into right now, but you can look them up. Werner Herzog uh, once described him as one of the greatest actors of the century, but also a monster and a great pestilence. And that's his best friend. (laughs) That is his best friend. (laughs) That's the besties. Which only your like best these, friend can yeah. say a thing like that, though. <laughs> really, like only the person that knows you the most. Um, yeah, he also even had a quote like, "Judge people on their like deviance rather than like their good things." I was like, "Okay, I'll yeah, ju- I'll judge you on your." Deviance. That's what you would like, <laughs> sir. We can do that. And I don't think that he's that great of an actor. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't like anything amazing. No. Now, Klaus Nomi, <laughs> not an actor, but very entertaining. In this, he wasn't as good as he can be. Um, in Fitzcarraldo, he's great. Um, what is it different? But yeah, it's different. Is it? That's why I said, what's different? I, I mean, it, he's just a man possessed about getting a boat over a hill. Like just a <laughs> massive fucking boondoggle. And... Um, I mean, he's just better and he's working with Werner Herzog instead of what, what's the name of the guy who directed this? Yeah. I didn't think the direction was effective in this movie and the script as well. Wasn't that great? Well, written and directed by the same guys. Yeah. (laughs) Like there was some tension, but not as much as there could have been. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was just like, hi. (laughs) Cause I was like the person we watched it. I was like, Dang, this movie, like, the end is, like, exciting. The end, I think the end is good. Yeah. And I thought that, like, the sexy scenes were, like, pretty um, raw, I Mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a way that you don't, like, usually see. Like, when Julie and Dr. Fails are doing it, I was like, god damn. That's true. The first time I was like, no one's having any fun in this movie. But I was like, oh. Well, some people are. Yeah. <laughs> At certain moments. At the new job, when she was getting whatever he was doing to her, I, I swear they weren't doing it, but I don't know. She she was loving it. Gilbert was going to have to come fix that water heater he had her up against. <laughs> they were banging it all around. They're just This guy is just kissing ladies, and they're creaming their Jordashes. That's why I felt a little bit of a cult vibe, too. Totally. I was like, all these women are into this guy? Why? Why? <laughs> what, did, what, did we, what did I say he looked like? Oh, Rucker Hauer. But, like... I, I, I think, yes, Rucker Hauer, but his, you said his face was smashed? Yes. Yeah, like if an <laughs> elephant stepped on Rucker Hauer is what I said. I like think that there's... a little I think that there's a little sousson of... Um, Peter Lorre. I could see that. Yeah. I like Peter Lorre, though. In the last year, I've come around on maybe Peter Lorre is sexy. Oh, hot take. Is it? I, think I guess so. it probably is. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I don't know. I've been locked inside with TCM for two years and <laughs> doing things to my brain. <laughs> Let us know. What do you think? Yeah, is Peter, Peter Lorre kind of sexy? Heartthrob or no? Let's, I'm going to find some sexy pictures of him. <laughs> when I say Elliot Gould is sexy, it becomes controversial people are like what but i think he's sexy if you see that tv guide cover with uh i've posted it many times <laughs> right with grover him and grover i i get it uh he's wearing overalls in that jason so they are not sad they're hot <laughs> i corrected and said coveralls 
Please get over it. (laughs) (laughs) So Schizoid is a canon group movie. Um, They're kind of notorious for garbage. Lots of different stuff. They screened this at Cannes. Con? Cannes? Con. Con for sale along with a few other films, but there were not any takers. One of the first canon group movies. Is it? Yeah. Before they got into like action films, Mm -hmm. um, they were doing kind of like this cash in slasher Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Is this movie sleaze? A little bit. Mm. I guess kind of because like the weird gross relationship between the daughter and father and like there's a lot of leering moments. Not as sleazy as the New York Ripper. Yeah, I kept comparing it to 10 to Midnight and I was like 10 to Midnight shines Mm. compared to this one. Oh, God. Well, you know, first pancakes versus something. Yeah. Yeah. 10 to midnight. I mean, imagine if Bronson was Dr. Fails. <laughs> then I could believe. Oh. I feel like Bronson would have gotten me? to the bottom of this case a lot quicker. Oh, yeah. Than he Mr. Wilhelm and Frank Fontana. He would have just kicked everybody's ass. Yeah. We love him. Um. So the Malton Movie Guide lists Schizoid as a bomb. Mm-hmm. This is the lowest rating he gave. It's basically an F minus. And brace yourselves. Siskel and Ebert hated it. <laughs> they cited Schizoid, among other recent films, as being gruesome and despicable and expressing hatred for women. So I, I do appreciate in the um, like marketing around the release of this movie on like Blu-ray and DVD, uh, they quote... The Malton Review. I, I had to do some digging in my duties as producer to find this Malton Review because it isn't in the, the copy of the Malton Movie Guide that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I knew that there was a review because Scream Factory um, cited uh, lurid shocker in quotes, Leonard Malton. Like, <laughs> like that was the whole review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like their puritanical sensibilities are like really clouding their judgment a lot. I I just maybe think... I've just had access to the internet for too long, but none of this seems that like lurid to me. No, as as you've said on uh, <laughs> on, on previous episodes, like come on, man, like Ebert, you did Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, <laughs> you have no room to talk. No. And it's not gruesome. This movie is far from gruesome. Despicable? Well, that's for open for um, the subjective. The title, Schizoid, so I looked it up, and it's a personality disorder um, characterized by a lack of interest in social relationships, a tendency towards solitary and sheltered lifestyle, secretiveness, emotional coldness, detachment, Mm -hmm. and apathy. Like keeping the secret that you're living at work. I guess. I feel like it didn't really It's just a word. To, yeah. <laughs> like they couldn't call it crazy man <laughs> or whatever. And it was called something else, murder by mail, I think, before. And they changed it to schizoid. Mm. Just flashier. Yeah. Gets your, gets your attention. Well, it got Jason's attention. And so we watched it. And, and now- I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and now we need to rate it. I'm not going first, Corey. <laughs> oh, I wanted to go last because okay. I'm, I'm like between two. Okay. I give it a six point three. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't allow that. Okay. Point five. Okay. <laughs> if we start with the point threes, it'll never end. <laughs> I give it a 6.5. <laughs> I'm going to give it an even 6. Okay. I'm going to give it a 5.5. You tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking 5 or 5.5. You guys like got me up a little bit. I was kind of thinking <laughs> 5, but then I was like, well, I can't say how much, like how excited I was for the end and be like, it was a 5. That's why I give it the, the extra 0.5. Yeah. I feel like the end is pretty strong. Yeah. So 6.3 from me. <laughs> round it down or round it up, however you see fit. Well, round down. Six. 
Uh, what's our next movie, Corey? Our next movie is one that I feel like is a fan favorite, My Bloody Valentine. <gasps> Sounds romantic. And I've seen this movie. Sarah, have you seen this movie? I have not seen this Ooh. movie. Excited. I'm excited. It's a movie that I keep, like, I'm, I'm going to watch this and then I don't watch it. But Not even the remake? Mm-mm. Okay, I'm definitely gonna rewatch that. The as remake well. was in 3D. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. I love a 3D movie. I feel like yeah, 3D horror movies are a little bit better than other 3D movies. You remember that show that Patricia Arquette was doing, Medium, where she was a medium? Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, it was like early 2000s, and Patricia Arquette was a medium. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they did a 3D episode and me and my friends watched Medium. And I went, you had to buy the 3D glasses from like a TV guide. And I didn't get TV guide. So I had to like go to three different grocery stores to get enough 3D glasses for us to watch <laughs> it. And then you could only see the 3D if you were like right in front of the TV. If you were sitting off to the side on the couch, you couldn't see it. Yeah. But uh, worth it. I love a television <laughs> event. Yeah, I miss those. I know. So fun. Okay, so My Bloody Valentine is our next movie. Check it out if you can. And uh, I think that that is pretty much it. Got anything else, Corey? No, any final thoughts, Jason? None. Baba Booey? (laughs) Baba Booey. All right, got to get in a Baba Booey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As always, donate to the Bakersfield Burrito Project. It is tax deductible and you're helping them help others. I have cash apps and Venmos. Their cash app is dollar sign Bako Burrito Project. It's B-A-K-O Burrito Project. And their Venmo is at Bako Burrito Project. So throw them a few bucks. A few bucks goes really far for rice and beans. And uh, I guess we'll see everybody next time. See you next time. Thanks for being here, Jason. Thanks for having me, Sarah and Corey. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for all your hard work, Jason. Eh. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, appreciate it. Okay. We'll we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Gag Me With A Chainsaw with your hosts, Corey and Sarah. Music by White Bat Audio. Find us on Twitter at Chainsaw Podcast and on Instagram at Gag Me With A Chainsaw. Until next time, unpleasant dreams.